When I was a kid, I skipped walking and went straight to running. Everything has always needed to be fast for me. From roller coasters that would make adults lose their dignity to repeatedly beating my own high scores in Need for Speed Underground. I couldn't wait to put my tiny 10-year-old hands on an actual steering wheel and experience the speed I've been so eager to control. And believe me, where I grew up, I wasn't the only one. I learned to drive at about the age of 11 in a go-kart that my brother, basically, he built it. Uh, it used a lawnmower engine uh, from a, an old lawnmower. But the problem, only problem was that the lawnmower was still in use by my father. <laughs> so when my father came back from work and saw that his pre precious lawnmower was in bits and we'd put the engine on them, he was, they, they, we learned some new words that day. <laughs> Welcome to Confessions of a Petroholic, a four-part miniseries about a young petrol head exploring the ups, downs, and weird in-betweens of maybe going electric. Told by the only young petroholic we could still find, Miles Dawson. In this miniseries, you'll also hear personal stories and anecdotes from EV industry trailblazers that'll guide Miles on his journey in the most unexpected ways. Ready? Set. Go episode one. I remember the mental hoops I would jump through so I could save enough money for my first car. Having a summer job and a dad that was willing to meet me halfway definitely helped. But I was still going to be short if I didn't find creative ways to not spend money. Going out for food? Nah. Let me just grab some sad homemade burger with some sad regular bread instead of burger buns. Date night? Nah, babe. Let me just grab an extra sad burger for you. I found a hustle anywhere I could. From mowing lawns on the weekend at houses that didn't ask for it, but felt obligated to pay me afterwards anyway, to selling old college textbooks, creepy-ass lamps, and Chinese hand cream on eBay. Garage sales are a goldmine if you're brave enough to go elbows deep into those boxes. Then finally... After months of saving and waiting, I got her. A pre-loved, shiny, black Volkswagen Golf R32 rolled into my life. Our eyes met, the whole world stopped, and it was love at first sight. It was just me and Dirty Diana. I wanted to treat her like a princess, but I needed to make her look like Catwoman. So I instantly started looking for ways to recreate the mods I used to build in my PlayStation 2 street racing days. In the midst of my excitement, I may have texted a photo of her to basically everyone in my contacts list. Sorry, Mrs. Johnson. I know you haven't heard from me since third grade math class, but even you had to see my first car. My buddy Robin was the first to text back with a picture of a car that I thought was straight out of a crime scene. But it turns out that was his first car. So I called him up for a chat to see if he had any mod ideas for Diana, since they both spoke the same language. Yo, what's up, Robin? Aren't you proud your boy got a German car? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, so is this the car that got you all the girls? 
Uh, actually, my first car was not that cool, <laughs> as I sent you uh, in the pictures. Actually, it looked like super ugly, but that was not the big thing for me. It was more like, hey, I have a car, I'm mobile, I can go everywhere. And Where did you get it from? Did someone leave it at the doorstep with the keys in it? Um, actually, it was a little bit of a sad story, but not that much. My, my uncle died in that time. And the award for best friend goes to... Not me. And I got it from my uncle. So it was the car of my uncle. And so, of course, then, you know, the stuff, when a person is not there anymore, has to be, uh, has to be used or somebody has to use it, take it, whatever. And yeah, my mom asked me, because it was her brother, if I want to have the car of my uncle. And I was like 17 and a half, like right half a year before I can have my driving license. And I was like, yeah, of course, cool. But I didn't know which car. <laughs> and then I saw the car and I was like... For real though, you must have felt like the big man on campus once you got the keys and finally hit the road. Yeah, total, total freedom, total flexibility, And of course, the people around me, my friends, they, they liked it that I had a car and I can drive everywhere. So you have a lot of friends and also the girls are interested. <laughs> okay, ladies, man. <laughs> Even with that kind of ugly car I had, with an Opel Corsa in yellowish gold, uh, not that good looking. <laughs> So what if it looks like a block of old Dijon mustard? You put the windows down, put on your best playlist, and let the vibes of the road and the music take over. The car was ugly and not that much valuable, but the sound system was really, really good with a subwoofer in the in a in a trunk, and so that was really, really nice. I loved it. Like you said, like to drive around with my car, volume up, enjoy the great sound of the music. And singing loud in the car, and that's, yeah, that's really, actually, is, reminds me of a very good time. <laughs> I'm gonna be real with you, though. That car looks like it's been through a divorce and a midlife crisis. Did you have any issues with it or any problems? No, I actually, I never had problems. There was just, like, one time, I was like, uh, yeah, it was, like, very solid car, I don't know. But th there was one thing, I was, like, like I told you, growing up in that small village, And um, one time, I don't know how to explain, there was like, they got a hole in the exhaust pipe. And suddenly the car started to be extremely loud, how you can maybe imagine. And it was middle of the night, it was like 11 o'clock in the evening. And I drove through my small village and then suddenly there was this hole opening and then it was like, <laughs> making this super, super, super extreme loud sound. And from this moment on, this car was so loud, even like the people in the next village could hear the car. And that was very embarrassing. So I was like, oh, oh my God, the whole village is waking up. Everybody's like, ah, oh, Robin with his car is so loud. Yeah. And then that was, that was the only uh, moment that was really not nice. But that is exactly what I want Diana to sound like. I want people to know I'm coming down the street without seeing the car at all. You know, people in the U.S. make jokes about this, right? There's always a tiny Honda Civic that sounds like a tank, but you know they just poked a hole in the muffler. It just sounds like you got a free sports exhaust. I can't wait to start adding mods to Diana. 
lowering the rims, getting a little turbo kit, some shiny ass hubcaps, a massive spoiler, ooh, and them smooth LED light strips, both inside and outside the car. But it doesn't make sense from a, from a, from a cash point of view, it doesn't make sense. Okay, you can do it because it seems like you're very emotional in this area. That's kind of, okay, if you're emotional, if you say like, I want to have it, you buy it. That's cool. But if you're really into, I have to little bit check what makes sense on a finance point of view, I would not buy it. We talked for hours about every car experience imaginable. And even though Robin wasn't matching my level of ambition for tuning up Diana, I couldn't wait to bring her to the body shop and make that her second home for the next couple of years. Unfortunately, that's not what happened. I drove to the body shop for the first time and they immediately pointed me to the repair shop down the street. And that's where we actually spent the better half of the next six years. But I still got some swag for her. Brand new Vallejo LED taillights, because I backed into a fence. A different radio. 5% tints on one window. That got me several tickets. Winter tires. Those big fluffy dice paired with the hula girl on the dash. You know, balling on a budget. I was at the repair shop yet again on another Friday afternoon. My man Alan was under the car cussing out the previous guy that had worked on her. And I just sat there like, why? Of all days today. Then I heard this obnoxious British guy talking to his buddy next to me so loud I couldn't hear myself be pouty. If you think about it, but it was just that was normal then. Yeah, I, I had a I had a Dodge. I rented a, a Dodge Ch Challenger, Dodge Challenger from Hollywood Rent-A-Wreck, which was the real name of the company. And they were in they were in West Hollywood, and they the guys there tr just said, just have the Honda. They're, they're really reliable. I said, no, no, I've never driven one of these. And this thing had a flat tire. They couldn't get it going. The electric windows didn't work. You could, you have, when you lifted them up, you had to put a piece of wood on the inside to hold the window up. Otherwise, it just slammed down. <laughs> a wreck. But my God, it, was, it did start. And when we got the tire fixed, I, I had to keep stopping to pump up the tire as often as I bought gas. But that was an absolute joy for a British bloke to drive one of those stupid god it couldn't go around corners it was brilliant in a straight line <laughs> but up in the hollywood hills where i had friends to you know i'd be having to go around corner going oh god it won't turn <laughs> well they were not built for cornering those big old 60s lumps it was a monster but it did twist the whole if you revved it at the at the red light the whole bonnet you could just see it would do that okay my god that's just crazy damn this guy's kind of funny I've got to tell you, when, when I worked in California, the biggest pickup truck, <laughs> I think, I don't know, I think it was a Ford, I don't even know what it was, but it had double tires at the back. You know, it was really monstrous, and we could hear it coming, and it was this amazing guy, and I wish I could remember his name, a black dude who lived in LA and had the headscarf. He was so, he terrified me the first time I met him, because all the stereotypes I'd seen in movies, he was the gentlest, most polite guy, he always called me sir, but he had a sound system in his car that moved your hair. He said, he did say to me, my sound, I'm going to try and do his accent, I can't do it, my sound system 
can move Caucasian hair. That's what he said. And I sat in it and I put in ear protectors. He made me do it and then he turned it up and I felt my hair going. <laughs> oh, I know. What I'm That's how loud. And it was a massive truck. And he, and he, he said he needed it to move his jet ski. Because <laughs> his sound equipment was the size of a kid's school bag. It wasn't that big. <laughs> but yeah, that was, a, that was an experience. <laughs> I just love that. It moves Caucasian hair. Doesn't move, it doesn't move African hair. Yeah, yeah. I can move Caucasian hair. At this point, everybody was paying attention to him, and nobody was paying attention to my car. I mean, the whole shop had just tuned in and zoned out. When the British guy and his buddy started to head out, half the shop pretended to casually go outside for a breath of fresh air. So... I thought I might as well follow them and try to herd Alan back because I was ready to go. But everyone kind of stood there in shock that this dude who just told a story about renting a wrecked Dodge for the engine rev was there to pick up his buddy in a Tesla. It looked nice. Like, really nice. I mean, I've seen Teslas before on the internet. But seeing one in person made it look like he was getting into a spaceship. But instead of flying off in it, he was still telling stories about beat up cars. I couldn't afford, I had like fifth hand cars, not second hand. Second hand was like, I'd met some people who had second hand, no, rich people who had second hand cars. Mine were like on their knees. They were just broken down wrecks. You know, that's what I could afford. And they were constantly going wrong and breaking down and fixing them, you know, all that stuff. Uh, and it was really only in my, when I was in my 50s that I actually, that was the first time I bought a new car was a Prius, of all things. Uh, um, you know, which is a, a strange thing. I had a, a, you'll know this car, a Volkswagen Golf R32. The man has good taste. That was my last sort of proper petrol head car. And I, my brother had a, was a good friend of a, a German engineer who had worked for Volkswagen and who worked in high performance cars, like you've been talking about. Like the sort of, and he rechipped it for me. And I didn't really even know what that meant. <laughs> I knew what it, once he'd done it, I knew what, I, what it meant. But before he'd done it, I, I also didn't realize that it immediately uh, broke the secondhand value of that car. Well, it was a secondhand, but it was fairly new. It was a fairly new car. So it completely ruined the value of it because it had been rechipped, which is, elite, you know, you're not meant to do. And he broke open the seal, but he knew how to do it. It worked brilliantly. It never went wrong. And it was terrifying after he rechipped it. And it was also a very strong memory as I drove to the Toyota dealership, about 40 miles away from where I live, to trade that car in and get the Prius. And and I did about 15 miles to the gallon in a golf. <laughs> that's, that's the difference it made. It just drank petrol. I mean, it was, if you wanted to go very fast, it was extremely good at that. But, oh, my God, that was crazy. And when I drove home in the, in the Prius, I, was, I managed 71 miles to the gallon on the way home. So that was quite a big – that was a kind of shift, definitely, where I went, I think it's time to move on from silly cars. As I got into my car to go meet my family and friends for a goodbye dinner, I got to thinking. Silly cars. Silly cars. Silly cars. Volkswagen Silly Golf R32. Silly, Silly cars. cars. Silly cars. Do I have a silly car? 
I couldn't believe it. I have fought for and defended Diana since day one. There's no way she could be dumbed down to a silly cow. But then, like any toxic relationship, I started to ask myself the tough questions that I would usually push away. What has she done for me recently? She doesn't take me places anymore. When is it my turn to fall to pieces? I'm always buying expensive things for her, but when is the last time I treated myself? But I had to be honest. That wasn't fair to her. It's my fault too. I promised her the world, but all I gave her was a muffler with a hole in it. That's what those Honda Civic people do. That's not me. That's not us. And then I remembered that one time we drove to the Florida Everglades together. She broke down. I broke down. Then we got some drive-through. Mm. What? Why am I remembering it like that? I drove to Florida by myself. It was awful. It hit me. I put so much time and effort into my quote-unquote dream car that I refused to admit that my need for speed was never going to be a reality in the first place. I had someone ready to buy Diana on the spot, but Alan didn't have enough magic left in the tank to get her into any kind of selling shape. I was left with two options, sell her for parts or give her to my brother to sell her for parts. I was about to make the biggest move of my life. And yet again, she was holding me back. I, I was so caught up in nostalgia and grief that I didn't realize I was sitting in the parking lot of the restaurant just staring into space. I showed up an hour late to my own goodbye dinner and my family and friends, of course, didn't let me hear the end of it. I can still hear them now. Why were you sitting in the car like that? He was probably thinking about all his bad car decisions. Which one? The muffler with the hole in it? That window tint? The drive to Florida last week? Honestly, Miles, you should really get something more practical when you move. Dutch people just ride bikes and all those little electric clown cars. Maybe you should get one of those. You know what? I will get one of those electric clown cars. How's that for a bad decision? Mm. How your tall ass gonna fit in this car? Thanks for listening to the first episode of Confessions of a Petroholic. Tune in next Friday to hear the newest episode anywhere you listen to podcasts. Special thanks to Robin Schmid from Robin TV. Robert Llewellyn from The Fully Charged Show, Ellen Heap from the Association of Dutch EV Drivers, journalist Kenneth D., and content creator Lars Gosens, who all agreed to be interviewed for the show and had no idea how we were going to use their sound bites. Listen to the full interviews on YouTube. The show was created in the sometimes sunny Amsterdam offices of Fastmed, the company that builds super-fast charging stations for electric vehicles all over Europe. Narrated by yours truly, Sine Hale. Voiced by Miles Dawson. 
The show was written by Donna J. Kane and Miles Dawson. It was produced by Donna J. Kane, Miles Dawson, Gita Hartleaf, and Nanette Hokeforst. Original artwork by Billy Osborne with the help from Tatiana Venegas. Original music and sound design by Sasha Hunemacher. Technical support by Hanan Bose. <laughs>